0: Thanks for watching the podcast today, or listening, or however you're consuming it. Uh, let's have a word from our sponsors. WUCA, uh, Original Designs Only. This is the Dragon Egg. This is awesome. It's basically an electronic dab rig. Um, and if you're gonna take electronic dab rig advice, you should ask somebody who lives in a bus like me. Obviously. So get this, link in the description. Thanks for watching or listening to the show, however you're consuming it. Like Thank it. you.
1: Hey, it's about time we
0: had this conversation. If you want a beard like this, or close to this, or even half as good. Use luxurious Bastard Beard Oil, promo code LEGENDARY for a discount, and step your game up.
1: Oh, hey. Howdy. Hey, how you doing, man? I'm good, how are you, dude?
0: Dude, yeah, doing decent man. I, I wanna I wanna address something before we have this absolute legend on. Yeah, like, in a second we're gonna have a legendary guy, six Emmys. I mean you're gonna hear more about him. But I wanna tell you, but I wanna tell you something real fast. Like some some crackhead broke into my bus earlier and I wanna call him out right now. I feel I feel like he should be called out. He probably watched the show like everybody else. And uh, I just going <laughs> to say a crackhead broke into my bus and took a wallet and he and he bought he bought Wendy's with, with my with a debit card. He bought. He bought. That's. He robbed me and committed a sin to buy Wendy's. That's like what he did. That's how smart this guy is. And I just want to say, like, we're gonna catch him. We're gonna catch you. if You're watching this. And uh, yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. I'm, st- I'm still mad about that. But uh, that's an infuriating
1: get, thing, dude. It, did he? And he got your car too, right? Well, he got, yeah. He took my wife's car,
0: and and then I'm like, I'm like, hey, only I drive my wife's car. and Use her money to buy Wendy's, okay? You know, it's like, <laughs> I'm just joking. But anyways. <laughs> Let's take the focus off the of negativity. We have, we have an absolute legend here. Like, I mean, this guy has worked on your your music, which is like awesome. He's worked on several bands, uh, like uh, harder bands, like Anthrax, El Nino, and stuff like that. Uh, worked with some like some guys I really respect. His name's uh, Eddie Wool. How you doing, brother? How are you? Good, man. What's up, Eddie? But, dude, it was What's so job? hard not to ask you, like, 25 questions as soon as you came on the screen, like, earlier before the show. Like,
2: I, I just want to be like, so you worked with Robbie Krieger from The Doors, though, too? hmm yeah he he guessed it on the fuel record it was really cool because I, I recorded robbie in his house that's what's really funny is that um he lived up in the hills and i was afraid i was gonna get lost when i was getting there so i le- i got there like 15 minutes early to make sure i wasn't late because I, I didn't have a trouble finding it and he must have seen me in a camera so he walked he called down an intercom he's like oh dude you can come up so i went up <laughs> to his house before anybody else got there so it was just me and Robbie Krieger at his house. So he like, gave so- me a tour mm. of his like old cars and gave me a tour of his house and inside. Now and it's funny cause I'm walking through his kitchen and he has like a doors, like a Fillmore East poster, like the metal ones, like hanging in his kitchen. You're looking at those things like, oh my God, that's like, that's you on the, you know? And then he showed me, he had a swimming pool that like a little swimming pool. They put sand in and he put a, a astroturf and a, a golf Hole, and he practiced chipping sand chipping out of his old swimming pool he made it into a sand trap and that was really cool so i'm in the studio with him and he's like oh yeah you know uh did, you know i got this guitar i think i was with jimmy when i bought it and you're like you're talking about jim morrison like in the first person but he was actually talking about jimmy hendrix at that mm-hmm. time. <laughs> this is crazy like he's talking about these these people like his friends you know like oh yeah i remember i
1: used to go to that restaurant with jim okay cool like which one Morrison or Hendrix
2: and then and then the last thing that was really funny is that so he had played he's playing a guitar solo on the record right and he played like six or seven solos before I even got there just to warm up so when we sat down when Brett got there the singer from fuel we we're like okay let's listen to what you got so he plays these six solos. one of them was like 90% done so I was like well let's just punch into this let's punch into that we took a bunch of takes he punched into the things and it was done right so guitar tone was really cool but like a little weird so i was like he i was like let me see i want to see what you're micing up your amp with like let me see what you're using right so we had a little fender champ in a bathroom that was being converted into like an iso booth but it wasn't done yet and i walk in there and you know how like when you go play a live show and they have the amp and the microphone cable is going through the amp and the top of the amp is holding the cable in place where somewhere along the line it must have slipped off and he had shag carpet so it's an sm58 planted in the carpet with the speaker over here and that's what we recorded the guitar solo with
1: so that's what that's what made the record huh
2: yeah i mean i wasn't gonna look at you know i looked at them like i wasn't gonna have them take it over again it's just like hey that's that's the sound we made it work there you go dude accidents yep yeah, it's pretty crazy though the mic just been in the shag car that's one of my favorite guitar players probably of all time oh he's great he's great to work with too he's so like easy like to be like hey dude could you could you grab another one like there's one note in there it's a little weird
1: oh yeah no problem i'll do as many times
2: as you want like he's like one of
1: those guys how old is he now he's got to be he had to be about 70 when i was there close to it i mean i was with him
2: recording like the day before um or maybe a week before ray died because brett and Robbie were talking about Ray. They were like, "Oh, did you have you talk to him? I don't think he's doing too well. Oh, I should really give him a call." Type of thing. And like a week later, he passed away.
1: Crazy. Yeah, that
2: was a fun experience. That was that was a really fun experience. Like just sitting with a Dude, straight up, straight up legend. You know, just like nah, yeah, I, take it over again.
1: I figured you'd, you'd be a great guest because man, I mean, you have so many stories. You know, you got such I a career, a so things. many stories and. I mean, we've worked together so much. I've, I've heard a bunch of them, but, uh, you know, they're right for something like this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so w- what have you been up to lately, man? I, I heard that you got a new band with, uh, with Brett that you guys are about to release. Yeah, Brett, Brett and uh, my buddy Billy Harvey. We
2: started writing a record just to, like, license it, just like all these projects start, like World Fire Brigade you know
1: yeah
2: fun thing and we started recording like we had no direction we're like whatever it sounds like it sounds like who cares and um, we started writing at first like these like Johnny Cash like storyteller songs and Brett's singing like two octaves lower than you've ever heard him sing like like literally in that Johnny Cash range because he comes from that world I mean he grew up in Tennessee I mean it's not it's who he is you know So he wrote a bunch of songs at that. Plus, Billy is really a blues guitar player. Right. Uh, So we wrote these super bluesy, like storyteller songs. And every once in a while a rock song would come out. So uh we ended up deciding that we're gonna make two different records. One was called Desert and one's called Concrete. And Desert is all like stoner, Americana, like if you can imagine the combination. And then the rock side is more like um like classic rock. That's just what we wrote. And then, uh, we ended up getting a record deal on, uh, the whole record and, you know, we've been just waiting for the
1: right timing and we'll put it out. It's called Melody awesome. Brothers. Yeah. I'm lo- I'm looking forward to hearing that, man. It, it, it's funny. Cause that's like you said, that's how the, the whole world forgot world fire brigade record came about as well. We're, yeah. we, we made this record to, uh, to pitch or, or try to get placements with. And we ended up just releasing ourselves, you know? Yeah. That was a fun record that was a really good time absolutely absolutely lots of lots of fun times it's a shame that you know at this point the record is so inaccessible for people but uh i i, I still bump into people you know we'll, we'll be on tour and random places and kids will come up to me at the merch table with the world fire brigade record want me to sign it so it, it got out there a little bit but then it's just nowhere to be consumed digitally and 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 really hard to find on physically no you know? but um I might have a way of, of us getting the record back. That would be awesome.
2: I mean, you know the whole story. I mean, somebody, when we did the record deal, they, they, we only licensed that record to them. They didn't have the right to own the masters. They don't, We own the masters, but whoever registered right. it, pretended like they own the masters, like they got mixed up. So now, if we try to get our masters, it says we don't own them. And then our lawyer that did the deal, unfortunately, passed away. Yeah. So now, like he, you know, we we have to either hire a lawyer or I know somebody who might know the president of that record label. See if they can just release it to us, so we could put it out. Or potentially, I think I could remix it so it's a different algorithm, and maybe we can because we do own the record morally. We own the record. We never. They just had the right to sell the record.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But you know, try explaining that to, to Spotify. Yeah, no, exactly. It's it's uh it's blocked. So ho- hopefully something can be done about it. That's a good idea, actually remixing it, you know, just th- at that point it would be a new recording to the to the algorithms. Yeah, yeah, add like a keyboard part or a background vocal or something, that's a whole different song. Absolutely. Dude, so I see you're wearing a limelight shirt. Is that the club? I am. What's that? that's from the club right yeah this is one of my limelight shirts when i used to work there you should tell can you tell us the story of how you kind of came up and, and working at the limelight and how all that progressed into uh the career you have now well yeah i mean
2: so you know i was in bands in the new york club scene i grew up in new york and then uh i was just really good friends with like one of the biggest promoters in new york and we used to go bowling all the time and one day in passing he was like Dude, we gotta fire the dorm the doorman at the Limelight. They're doing a bad job. I'm like, well, I'll do it. They're like, nah, you can't do that job. I was like, yeah. So they, they gave me the job out front. I did the VIP, I did the front door of the Limelight for about six months. And they're like, oh, the girl that's doing the VIP room is actually charging people to get in the VIP room. She's like out and out just taking money to get in. So uh, they were like, uh, he was like, you want to work the door? And I was like, well, it's warmer, it's inside. So I started doing the rope of the VIP room. I ended up doing that for four years on rock and roll church Sunday nights, which is was the night at limelight Worked, you know, Guns N' Roses, Pearl Jam. I mean, Rage Against the Machine. I mean, you name it. I, I did the Sunday night rope for literally years. And that was that club over the course of a night would have like 10,000 people in and out of it. And you could only fit like 300 people in the VIP room. And that's where everybody wants to be. Right. So like people would come up to me and threaten me. I mean, just crazy. I, I, I hear some people like, oh, we drove six hours to get here and our dream to go in the VIP room and you're gonna ruin our night. And I'm like, sorry, dude, can't let you in.
0: Your dreams <laughs> to go in a VIP room? Like what a, what a terrible and little dream. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: like, Not to knock the room, but I mean, you should have bigger dreams. And you, know, you, you know, they actually, you know.
1: They aren't shooting for the stars at that point, but it was a cool scene, right? Well, the VIP yeah, was
2: room wasn't just—I mean, yes, it was all full of celebrities. It was full of the regulars, but it also was the library because you know Limelight was a church, and that was the library. So it was like a cool, vibey room anyway. And sometimes people just want to get into a room that they can't get into. It doesn't even matter. Yeah, it's the room. for sure,
0: especially yeah. in New York. So, 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 so then, true. how
1: did that? How did? How did you progress that into actually? producing bands and, and turn that into the career that, that you've developed? Well, the limelight was just
2: a part of it. I mean, I, I was in bands at the time. That's when I, I had just gotten dropped from CBS from my band, Melidian, which was on MTV all the time back in my hair metal band. Oh, that's that right, in, that's right. What do you play? And then, well, in that band, I played keyboards, but then Ooh. I we started like more of like a grungy rock band <laughs> that ended up being called, uh, called Red Belly. We got signed to Elektra. And I was working at Limelight because that was like the best job I could have and still be in a rock band. You know, and they didn't let people, they didn't let people hand out passes at Limelight about from other clubs, but they let me do it. So I used to tell people like, if you don't come see my band play, I'll never let you in the VIP room ever again. So we had a really good draw in New York. We draw like five, six, 700 people as an unsigned band. Nice bro, nice. And everybody would come in the, in the club when we're playing and make sure that I saw them like yo dude yeah I made it I made it <laughs> I'll make sure that. and that's when I met like Laz and Shivari like the guys from El Nino I actually met them when I worked at Limelight Christian used to come to Limelight so I knew them I used to know Laz really well the bass player in El Nino he was in a band called Broomhelda back then so I was in bands but then when Red Belly got signed to a lecturer we went on tour I had to give up my job at Limelight but the New York club seemed working in all the clubs I worked at Rocketeria I worked like everywhere but that was just a means to an end of getting a record deal. And then A&R people would be like, man, your demo sounds really good. Who did your demos? I'd be like, I did them myself. And then my band that got signed to Electra, Terry Dana reached out and said, dude, we don't need to re-record your record. I want to mix your demos. And they were home tracks and I was like, oh, I'm too insecure to release my home 8-track. So we ended up making a record at London Bridge in Seattle with Kelly Gray, who produced Candlebox at the time. And then played in that band and then that band broke up and I started another band called Soul, got signed to Island. And at that point I produced Primer 55 right at the same time that I was getting my own deal on Island, they were getting a deal on Island. And then the band thing never, I, I got lots of record deals but it never really worked out for me. So, but the producing thing started to happen so I, I went that direction in life. And I did that for a long time and then the whole music business sort of drowned so I got into licensing, and that's why I started doing music for television, which is my main thing now. I scored some shows on Discovery Plus, uh, Oxygen, that Geo, scored the picture,
1: um, all the library stuff. Yeah. Lots of impressive stuff. shit we, we even landed together a, a spot in uh, the Super Bowl one year, right? We did. I, I've had a few of them, but I, I know you and I had at least one. I don't know how many we've had. I think it was just one with me, but that was I mean, pretty pretty cool thing to do. Oh, totally! We have lots of placements together. i oh, we see, like
2: a royalty check, and see some kind of. We did those Elvis sounding songs. Remember those? Yeah, it's like Rock a Baby or something. I don't know what the hell they were called. But I see those from Elvis Cribs, whatever the show is. I see those yeah. come up on royalty
1: checks all the time. Yeah, it, it's it's badass. Back when Eddie and I were. Uh... We're working on smile projects constantly. I was working with him on the side on, on all these different licensing things too. And and it was, uh, it was, it was good times and we landed a lot of cool stuff and, and, uh, spent a lot of time hanging out over at your place. Yep. A lot. That's for sure. Playing with so, the kids. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I remember, uh, making the consciousness record. I think Jack was like one something or two, maybe. But I remember some of those tracks that I'm playing, playing on guitar, I was like fighting Jack off with my foot, like at the same time. That. He was like trying to attack the guitar and shit. And Jack is Jack is 16 now. Yeah, that's that's nuts. He actually just flew a plane.
2: He wants to be a pilot, so he just went up in a plane. But I remember Ryan would hold Jack up in the air, and and uh Jake <laughs> would throw his blanket over his head while you were playing guitar and jack thought that was the funniest thing in the world that the blanket go flying across the room and land on his head and you'd be playing star track while that's all going on any
1: with anything to keep him pacified course. you know we had the little playpen right in the middle of the studio yeah yeah we literally made we literally made that record with like a baby the whole time well that's why i ended up calling my, my studio babyland because one time rob caggiano came over to my house
2: and he saw the he saw the crib in the middle. He's like, "What? What? What do you got going on here? What you got, Babyland over here?" I was like, that's a good name. I like that.
1: Yeah, and I, I think Jack got uh some some studio credits on on my records too. I think your
2: studio manager. I think you credited him.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's got some good credits going on for him, dude. Yeah. So he wants he wants to be a pilot, huh? Yeah,
2: he's he's took his first flight introduction. But you know he has so much time on his own um, flight simulator, which is actually the same one that they had at the place. That he didn't have to go through the hour training; they put him right in the Cessna with the with the instructor. And he, you know, they have it so like either one of them can take control at any time. But he right. basically took off by himself. The instructor was on the radio and stuff. Took off. They flew to Santa Monica and back, and Jack landed the plane like ninety percent himself. Wow. So he's like flying the thing. That's crazy, dude. And they asked me if I wanted to go up, but dude, it's like two seats and then like a little coffin in the back that's like, like, I don't know, a foot wide to a V. And I'm like, nah, I'll, I'll stay on the ground.
1: I, I would be with you on that one, dude. I'm not going up there.
2: No, and Jack was like, "What are you scared of? Me flying?" I'm like, "Well, sort of, uh, more claustrophobic just getting in the plane."
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not trying to fly any more than I have to, anyway. Let alone in that kind of a situation. Yeah, he loved. It. He loved it though. He's, That's awesome. He's,
2: yeah, he wanted. You know, the pilot's an interesting job because you can, you can get a pilot's license and fly like little, you know, puddle jumper type of things for tourists, or you can draw. You can be a private jet pilot, or you can go into the military. You can fly for like FedEx and fly packages. Or you can fly people, you know? Right. There's a lot of options. Like, they really need pilots now, and it's a good-paying job.
1: I would imagine so, man. That seems like a good career choice. Yeah, so this summer, by the time he graduates high school, he's probably going to have the first,
2: his single-engine pilot's license. Then you got to go for the, like, the jet. Like, there's different, you got to go up the ladder, you know, get certifications
1: right but he'll be flying before he's driving wow that's crazy he doesn't even have a driver's license already flown a plane that's crazy definitely a better career choice than music these days too anything's a better career choice than music i know tell me about it it. yeah yeah my daughter's my daughter's all into piano she's she's six but piano is one of her favorite things and uh she's excelling at it for six you know but Definitely would like her to do something different for a career. Yeah, that's what I tell my kid:
2: I said, be a lawyer or a doctor. That like goes and plays in the cover band on the weekend. Like that, that'd be fun.
1: Absolutely, enjoy the music. Yeah,
2: have have fun doing it, man. It's a great, it's a great thing. But especially, man, AI and everything. Like,
1: I don't know where that's going to be in is actually recording music ten years from now, dude. Right? I mean, the the fact that you can just plug in specifics of you know recreate a a song by this band and it'll just pop a song out finished it's it's a little scary you could be like you could be like write a song about
2: two cats in the style of journey and
1: you literally have a complete song in like a minute yeah yeah (laughs) where where do you see that going for for artists and and producers and such I think people are going to fight it
2: right now. If you listen to what the music is, it's not exactly perfect. Like, it'd be good ideas. Like, you could make the song really cool from the lyrics. But it right.
1: doesn't really have any heart or soul right now. Yeah. But 10 years from now, I mean, who Yeah, it thought- seems like only a matter of time before they get, the- before they figure out a way to-, to manufacture the heart and soul, you know? I mean, in the mid-90s, when I had a cell phone, it was like, ten dollars a minute
2: and the thing looked like a brick and like you didn't want you don't want to use it you know unless there was a horrible emergency and look look at this now
1: yeah yeah it's it's moving quickly how's that you know how's that food couch guy
0: no here's what's weird is mike's muted and i still hear eating noises me too it's like Creepy. Like that's, that's what we, Cody and I were talking about in the chat. We're like, like, literally, there's eating noises, but his mic's been muted for like the entire time. It's it's
1: clearly not muted. <laughs>
0: it's that's that's what's weird. I don't understand it. Maybe we got a producer on here. Maybe he understands. I don't. I don't know how electronics work. I'm so an idiot, not a producer, you know. So, but
1: <laughs> it's, but it, is, it sounds like he's eating the glass that he was chewing on a second ago. It's like. No.
0: Yeah, that's that's beautiful. Yeah, going back and forth. That's weird. Yeah, it's, I don't know what it is, bro.
1: Man. So, Eddie, for for people listening, uh, what what are some of the bands that you produced over the years once you started rolling with the production thing? Uh,
2: Anthrax, uh, Smile Empty Soul, Fuel, El Nino, Thirty Six Crazy Fist, Primer Fifty Five, Logic, Life Once Lost. Agony Scene, H2O, Jesse Mallon. Uh, I'm working with this band versus right now. It's pretty amazing. Right um, now? Yeah, I'm I'm doing like I'm like doing Zoom pre-production with them. Right. Um. The, the it's gonna be amazing. Um. That awesome. You know, working on that. Uh, who who else am I? Pres- I I don't even know. I I forget at this point a long time. Yeah, a- every once in a while, I'll, yeah. I'll go on old music and be like, oh, yeah, I remember that record. But, nice. I mean, Sean, you know, it's like, I guess it it's something to be said. Like, usually when I work with a band, I don't just make one record for them. I make, like, 20 records for them. So, yeah. like, El Nino, I've made every single thing they've ever done be- besides the second record. How many records I make for you, Sean? Six? At least, yeah.
1: At least, so like- I mean... Between uh, uh, Smile Records and Solo Records, I mean, there's there's probably close to ten. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's like even if I don't work with a new band, I'm still working with the old bands. <laughs> yeah. Do you still do you still enjoy doing the rock band thing? Even though your your bread and butter has now become TV and and licensing and movies and stuff like that. For the for the right artists, for artists
2: I've worked with, like I still love working with you. I still love work, working with El Nino. You know, um, for the right artists, I like it. Guys that know and trust the process, and actually I know them. Um, yeah. New bands, if it's the right band, I enjoy it. But, you know, the, the one bad thing that's always been about producing bands is you could produce an album for a band, put your heart and your soul into it, write the stuff with them, do everything, make the best record in the world, and the band could be in between agents, do a showcase for the agent, the record company's there, and in the middle of the set, the singer's drunk and tells the the president of the record company, to "Go screw himself," and now your record's over. Right. And so that sounds
0: familiar, lines, Sean. I, I, <laughs>
1: <see>. <laughs> He's not when talking about the music but... no, It sounds super not familiar. That, but
2: when, when I do library music and I do my own thing. If people love it, it's because they love what I do. If people hate it, it's because they hate what I do. Like I'm cool with that because at least it's in my control.
0: I love you your passion. I love. I love your passion for it, bro. Like, you get like little kid excited about it, and I, I think that's like what art's about, you know. It's
2: totally constructive criticism. You know, <laughs> take it you will. Yeah, no, it's fucking awesome. So that's that's the thing about producing records that has always sucked. That once you've done with the record, you that's it. You did you did what you had. And you handed it off and. The record label does what the record label does. The band decides to break up right after you finish the record. I mean, you
1: name it. Yeah, there's a lot out of your control. I mean, it's it's uh, and, and it's a very volatile world with bands and labels and managers and shit like that.
2: Yeah, it, it, you know, the success of the record really
1: isn't directly correlated to how much work and love you put into it. Or even how good the record is sometimes, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I still think it, Consciousness is one of the my favorite, one of the best records I ever produced, and it's like, what did that sell? You know what I mean? I know, I know. It's <laughs> it's crazy. It's it's all about. I mean, it's it's all about the bank account behind it at this point in time. Yeah, it, it's amazing because you know, with uh, like Consciousness as a, as a good example, is so much better of a record than our first record was. But our first record was pushed so hard. By the record company. I mean millions and millions of dollars went into it and people still will, will comment things like, Oh, your first record's your best record, and I'll say, Well, have you listened to all of our records? And then it usually goes quiet. And it, it's just it's just proof that people are, you know, prone to like the things that are just repetitively shoved down their throats. They equate oh, yeah. that with quality, you know.
2: Marketing is everything. And dude, I've had some of your more super fans actually get mad at me when I've held those, those uh, you know, shapeshifter plaques. It's like, yo, you just made a, a bad cover record. It's like, well, really, not really, dude, just did it with the band.
1: <laughs> it's not like it's me playing He's like,
0: <laughs> yeah. For, yeah, Sean told me their day to the shapeshifter, right? That, that was a good album, man. Like, awesome.
1: It. it so, so you've had our fans lash
2: out at you about that? Not that many of them, but a few of them. Like, if you look at the comments when I'm holding some of your plaques for those songs, look at look at a couple of comments here and there. Be like, the original version's much better, dude. You just made a cheap <laughs> cover. Like, you know, if there's like a 100 comments, like maybe seven or eight of them, or like negative comments, if I leave them up there too, I'm like, you know, something whatever, it's his opinion, I'm cool with it, I don't care. Yeah, because the bottom line yeah. is that they wouldn't be they wouldn't be listening to song they wouldn't be listening to Bob Bottle on Spotify if we didn't make that record.
1: Absolutely, they wouldn't be listening to any of those songs. We that's why we made those songs. But it's funny, just because the internet is just such a cesspool of negativity. It doesn't matter what you do, dude. You're not gonna please everybody. There's always somebody, just you know miserable in their own lives and having accomplished shit just so ready to tell people that are actually doing things and putting something out there putting themselves out there that what they do sucks
0: dude 100 man so
1: i think They're... that a lot of people too especially with your music more than a lot of artists i
2: work with people hold it very close to them because you're like describing their lives so they they get personally offended when you mess with <coughs> their music it's not your music it's their music Right. So I mean, you you could tell somebody you remastered and they'd be like, dude, the original was better. It's like I'm lying. I was just kidding, and they'll still be like, no, the original's better. <laughs> it's just you're right, one of the, and I understand that. I'm
1: cool with that. You know, whatever. It's just no, like a logical argument. thing. Oh, sorry. sorry, why Anthony?
0: No, I miss, I miss people arguing about music instead of like politics and everything else. You know, I, I miss like the music argument. You know.
1: It, the, the music yeah. argument is still there it's just it's just in the background compared to the, the the political commentary of of our of our current world you know yeah i remember when people used to argue about a black sabbath with ozzy or dio like that's what we were worried about <laughs> <laughs> uh now the world's just crumbling around you and there's there's bigger important more important things to bitch about i guess <laughs> yeah hey, black sabbath <laughs> So, so how did it how did this new thing, this uh new band that you're working with, how did that come about, Eddie? We just um
2: you know, I always try to put some people together that maybe be an interesting thing. And Billy, I produced Billy's record like 20 something years ago, and we lost touch for a while and became friends, and I was like, you know, Billy was in town one day, and I was like, Man, it'd be really cool to put Billy and Brett together, like like Billy probably barely knew who fuel was because it's not that's not what he listens to you know what i mean so and you know and obviously brett didn't know who billy was so we put this together billy's playing all these like real like texas blues riffs and then we just started writing melodies and you know we all sort of well i was already friends with both of them but they became pretty good friends and then billy right after we had the first two songs billy moved to nashville so then it was like We just sat on those songs for a couple of years and forgot about the whole project. And then right around when the pandemic started, Brett's like, you know, those songs are really good. Why don't we write some more with Billy? So during the pandemic, you know, we were like, ah, who cares? So Brett would come over anyway, and we'd do Zoom with Billy, and it's pretty cool because Billy would play a really sick riff and then put it in the Dropbox. I'd immediately take it out and put it into a session. He'd be like, I got another riff too. And he'd be like on an iPad, Billy on Zoom, (laughs) <laughs> write another, put it in the drop box and pull it out. And I'd arrange the song really quick while we we're all sitting there, then send it back to Billy. Then Billy would put an overdub on it. Brett would take the guitar track, bring it back to his house, play drums on it and bass, bring it back to me. And then we cut the vocals in my place. So I'd mix it. And the thing about Billy that's pretty sick is that when Billy plays those original tracks when we're writing the song, he's such a vibe player that those will be the tracks. Right. Like he's one of those guys that plays this really cool riff and never plays it exactly the way he plays it. Not because of the notes. He knows what notes he plays, but there's a feel and a vibe that when he's right. writing something, he has. So we always have him record his riff to a click track right from day one. Yeah. So when you hear our record, 90% of
1: it is the guitar when he was writing the riff. That's great. He just has that magic touch on the first, the first, uh, intuitional playthrough, huh? He, he's just, he's one of those guys. You see, he's a really, really like,
2: I don't know how to explain him Like Clapton type of like bluesy player. He plays with, uh, the guys, the band from, um, what's that TV show? Uh, Sons of Maneki. See, they're called, uh, I forgot what the band's called, but he, he plays with them. Um, I mean, but he's played. He was in the Austin club scene for a while. He's played with everybody from like Double Trouble to like, like that whole, like he's he's really a sick player, and he's got a you know made a
1: good name for himself in Nashville. That's awesome. It sounds like he he picked the right town to move to these for uh, music these days. Yeah, I think you know he was he was living in Chicago, lived in Austin for a long time.
2: He was in a metal band called Flame. In like the 90s that was signed to i don't remember who but uh and that was more of like a, a 90s band like a rock band and i met him i produced him in like 1999 2000 became a singer songwriter and my buddy who actually discovered primer 55 and carrie diaguardi and all those other people i produced um discovered him and we made a record for him they shopped it for a deal jonathan daniels with Matt, it was Was shopping with us at the time who later became a huge legendary manager so it was me and jonathan and billy harvey were shopping and uh island almost signed him but uh it never happened and then he made indie records for years i don't even know how many indie records he's got at this point but uh it's cool it's it's a cool mixture of (coughs) different things the solos he's he's like a real solo like blue solo player too So a lot of cool solos on the record cool like old school riffs,
1: classic rock riffs. But you know, uh, awesome. I'm look, I'm looking forward to hearing the record. I don't. I don't think I've heard almost anything from that.
2: No, no we haven't put
1: anything out yet. Yeah. But so Yeah, it's I mean, great
2: though. The, the cool thing about it, we weren't trying to write hits. We weren't trying to write singles. We we're just trying to write songs that maybe we could see on the TV show, and really just having fun. Like, yeah, it wasn't like, oh, we can't do this oh that where's the single like we, we weren't writing it like that
1: yeah so that's how the best stuff comes out sometimes when you're not going for commercial radio success you know it's it's uh yeah in, until we started getting a lot, lot of songs together
2: and Brett was like really trying to decide like what he wanted to do as an artist he's like dude I want I want to put everything into this like, like I want I, this should be a real band like let's tour let's you know, then we started shopping around for record deals, and you know, the booking agent. And like, I don't want to tour my life because I, I like the way my life is, and I, I don't really love touring or playing live. But I was like, yeah, if we have an interesting, an interesting gig, I mean, they're two really good friends of mine. Like, I'll do it. You know. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it'd be fun. It'd definitely be fun for a, a short amount of time. One of the listeners just uh, just said that you worked with Roger Daltrey and asked how that was. Is that true? Yeah, but
2: Roger Daltrey guested on an Anthrax record and he sent in his track from England. So Scott okay. Ian was in the room with Roger Daltrey. I wasn't in the room with him, but he sang on, I think it's called Taking the Music Back cool. on the Anthrax record I produced called We Come For You All. Uh-huh. But he sent us like 20 tracks of him singing the part so I have like outtakes of him singing that you're like wow that's Roger Daltrey and some tracks like wow that's Roger
1: Daltrey. So it's pretty cool. The good and the bad and the ugly, huh? Yeah. I don't I don't think most people out there realize the vocal <laughs> yeah. the, the process to get that vocal that lead vocal line, you know. Yeah, plus you know Dimebag played on that record too and that was another one Dimebag tracked in Texas
2: and sent us a solo with and without effects. And it's funny because when Dimebag puts the effects on his vocal, you're like, that's Dimebag. Like it's right. unrecognized. Like this un- undeniably Dimebag without the yeah. effects on it. He sounds like Dimebag, but not like when he when he said, you know, we were like, let's use the one with the effects. But what's really cool is that he was leaving a series of answering machines on my answering machine at the studio. And one of them is the beginning of the song Cadillac Rock Box, which was actually an answering machine message when he got the song he's like got some mighty fine grooving going on that Cadillac rock box like and we mic my answering machine at the time it's like one of those tape ones and that's the intro to that song it's him talking awesome. i have other he left a bunch of messages on my answering machine
1: but it's pretty funny that we did use that one for the intro to the song because it's cool that's great man that you've had some legendary uh guest stars on some of the records you, you produced. Wasn't uh Bruce Springsteen on the Jesse Mallon record. Bruce Springsteen um sang and played guitar on the Jesse Mallon record
2: and is in the video for the song Broken wood radio. The funny thing about that is the day that we were supposed to be at Bruce Springsteen's house cutting the record was the same day that my first son was supposed to be born. So I had a choice to make go to Springsteen's house and cut Springsteen or go to the hospital with my wife and have my first son. <laughs> So
1: so you went to I Springsteen's,
2: went, right? I went, I, went to, yeah, I went to the hospital and Caggiano who was my partner at the time. Felt bad that I wasn't there. So he tried to record some on his phone and they caught him. And the engineer's like, dude, if you record anything else, we're gonna throw you out of the session. So I, I didn't, you know, I, I mean, you know, didn't, I went, didn't get to that session, unfortunately. Right.
1: That's, that's still a classic story, man. What are the odds, your, your son or, or, or doing that? Yep, and it was crazy, because I, I walked out of the hospital to take a break, and it was like
2: Saturday, and Shabari was on the phone for Nino. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm in the hospital, my, my wife just had a baby. He's like, oh yeah, so did LaRue's wife. He goes, you gotta be in the studio on Monday. I was like, what studio, what are you talking about? He goes, we're gonna be in town on Monday, didn't I tell you? We're gonna make a record, you gotta be in the studio. I said, like, I'm not gonna be in the studio. He's like, yeah, you gotta be in the studio. I said, well, I'll go into the studio for three hours for the first couple of days and just get you ready. Cause what's his name was recording, Andy Andy uh, Andy John uh, Andy Johns. So it's like, he was a legendary guy, engineer like Zeppelin and the Stones and all these things. He was engineering the record. So I'm like, okay, why don't I just go there and do pre-production with you. So, the, so literally Monday when I got to the hospital, I went, and did uh, the El Nino record. And then my wife, being the rock star she is, Monday, she gets out of the hospital and she goes and does Kelly Osbourne's makeup. And Kelly Osbourne's like, aren't you going to give birth any day now? And she's like, oh yeah, I had a baby two days ago. <laughs> Kelly Osbourne's like, what the hell are you
1: doing here? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty classic, man. I can't believe she was uh, working a couple days. I mean, just one thing for you to work a couple days after. but uh, her- Kelly Osbourne needs
0: makeup <laughs> people. What's
1: that? Oh, I was just saying oh, that uh, for for you to go to go work a couple of days later is one thing, but for your wife to go, that's that's a whole other ball game right there. She had to push a fucking baby out. Yep, I know. She's, I know my awesome. wife wasn't doing anything after my daughter was born for quite a while. Yeah, no, she she went right out that. She always jokes with our kids. She's
2: like, if I could have a baby and go to work, like you go get a job somewhere.
1: <laughs> that not like some shit my mom would say it's a woman thing yeah so so eddie how's the uh eddie's eddie's a big pizza connoisseur being from new york and, and he educated me as to all of the ins and outs of good pizza how's the pizza scene doing in la these days well good well grimaldi's la here so we don't have that anymore Oh really? Remember we went there in El Segundo? Yeah, that was good.
2: Yeah, so that that's gone, but you know, honestly, there's a lot of good pizza in the valley now. Like really? they have this place, Gorilla Pies. It's the next Nobu chef. That's got a real cool spin on pizza. Um, there's a lot of places now. Like you would like literally like a half dozen pizza places that are great that deliver to my house. Awesome. So they really. They really upped the pizza game. I remember when I first moved to L.A., like I went to a pizza place that looked cool. I got a slice of pizza. I took one bite. I'm like, can I get this to go? And they put it in the box, literally walked outside as soon as they got away from the restaurant, threw the box right in the garbage. It's just, there was bad pizza in L.A. They they, majorly, you, you- they majorly upped the pizza game up here
1: out here. And the Italian food in general has come a long way in L.A. Are, are you still uh, ordering from Marcelinos ever or is that out of the question now? Yeah, no, we still do, especially when Brett's here. Because Brett he, Brett's still his <laughs> his favorite is still the Marcelinos with uh sausage and pepperoni. That's a good pie, dude. I I definitely I definitely miss uh some of those food spots that we used to hit from your place or they used to deliver from your place, should I say. E- Eddie Eddie well, not, order. Marcelinos
2: moved. Like they still live in my house, but they're like like about ten blocks away now. But it's funny, my new house that I have now is literally in walking distance from where the old Marcelino's
1: was. Oh man. Like it's a you shame just, that they moved because he just walked over and got slices. You just missed it. Well, it it's it's funny because Eddie Eddie is he works so much. You know, he's always in his studio and his house is just, just making tracks. And uh, there's all these food places, you know, in the valley in California, there that deliver. And I, he would order from certain places so often. I remember there's a sushi place that used to deliver to his house, but then they stopped delivering. But then he'd have me call and be like, "Oh, tell him, tell him it's for Eddie." Because I'd answer, I'd be like, "Hey, I, I need an order for uh, delivery." He'd be like, we don't deliver anymore. And I'd be like, "It's for Eddie." And they'd be like, "Oh, okay."
2: And they would just <laughs>
1: deliver to Eddie's house. The owner used to drive the food over the house. <laughs> You're you're their number one customer, that's for sure. Plus the Indian place. Remember the Indian place here? It burnt down, but Oh it place,
2: did? Oh yeah, unfortunately. Ah, oh, that's a shame. That Ryan, place was awesome. That place was great, right? I don't think yeah. an Indian place hasn't come along that's been better than that. It's a shame. That was the best best Indian food around here. Yeah, yeah, that was good.
1: What about uh carnival? Is that still around?
2: Oh, yeah, we get carnival all the time. I mean that place is gonna be there forever. I mean, that, uh, that's like a good institution. I, I mean, I can't imagine that going away.
1: But, you know, now yeah, we're, postmates. and I mean, everybody delivers to the house. We get carnival delivered all the time. You get what delivered? Carnival. Oh, carnival? <clears throat> yeah, I, I miss that place, man. I Where I live in Arkansas, we, we, we've got some great restaurants, but we don't have anything covering the Lebanese, Mediterranean, you know, anywhere near that level. Yeah, that's probably not like. Falafel and stuff is probably not the thing where you are. No, no. I eat like
0: Greek thing. food like probably every day for lunch. Yeah, I, I, I eat like this, this place called Michael's at the street. It's a Greek food. I, they have like the best hot wings and stuff, man. I, I, I eat there like every day, probably. Like, every single day for lunch.
1: Yeah, it does seem it like you a- eat there every single day. <laughs> I do.
0: I'm just, just saying, I eat there every day.
2: But Carnival is like Lebanese, it's, though. It's it's a little
0: different. Yeah, I'm, Le- I'm part Lebanese. This one, I, I like their food a little. Bit. Indian food's good too. I used to say, I like Indian food. One, I like, I like Vietnamese food the best though. Like Vietnamese food is my favorite. I can't out of any food. I think out of any culture's food, I guess. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah. Eddie's a, Eddie's in a great little little spot for restaurants in general. I, I definitely. That's one of the things I miss about California is just the food availability and quality and, and variety. There is a lot of food. Though. Are
0: you downtown then, or where where are you at while you talking? Like downtown uh,
2: or? Oaks. I'm in the, oh, okay. in the valley but where <laughs> yeah. I am I mean literally we will order postmates from Hollywood we've ordered postmates from Beverly Hills like a That's lot cool. of those places cool. like they they'll come out so you can get like you know we can get food from anywhere but you wouldn't even recognize trying if, to if you saw a Ventura Boulevard's like now you wouldn't even recognize them. I mean they have like like uh I don't know if you have been to Katana on Sunset but they have like a katana style um sushi place that one of our friends owns that's like five minutes from the house, where they'll have like a lamb chop and steak on a skewer and sushi. Damn. It's got like the grill. You know what I mean? It's not just yeah sushi. But like they have like real um, like very like West Side Hollywood type of restaurants here that have like a good vibe inside and like it's not like like when I first moved to the Valley, like all the restaurants were like ready for your grandma, you know? Yeah. They were very like early bird special type of restaurants. You know, now like they've really like done it up here. Like there's, they got the sportsman's lodge over, they get sugar fish in there now. And
1: like, they've really done it up, you know? I'm sure man, California is just so, so rapidly changing. I mean, you know, Having moved away and then going back to visit only here and there. It's like every time I go back. It's it's almost unrecognizable
0: Yeah, I was thinking about getting a tent down there and like moving in Yeah, there's a lot
2: of, right a uh, couple blocks from my house. I could I could I could show you a good spot
0: Yeah, if you've got if you any wielder friends. Yeah, I'd love to get it. I'd love to get a, get a good
1: Especially
2: tent. one right next to a school because that's where all the drug dealers are
1: perfect Perfect. Right next to uh, what are your kids' school? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I, I, I told you, I, I was I was like literally 200 feet from my, my kids' school on a major intersection at 8.30 in the morning. And I look over and there's a guy um, naked taking a poop in a garbage can, sitting on the garbage <laughs> can pooping right on the corner.
0: That's the mascot, dog. Yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna write california. i'm gonna
2: write a i'm gonna write a, an email to the mayor and suggest that she starts putting toilet paper holders on the garbage cans
1: <laughs> uh, i don't i don't miss that i don't miss that about california st
0: louis is just as bad are like you be on the metro line kids are just selling drugs in front of you and shit. it's
1: oh, just no. like, it's like like and like not like weed like actual
0: drugs this is like just weird as fuck it's like
2: Oh, mm. Barry, you always watch your back well, you know what the fun part is now. You go like you go to where all the RVs are, and you'll see like forty like RVs that are broken down, and one nice BMW right in the middle. And you're like, hmm, wonder what's going on there.
1: <laughs> <Huh>. <laughs> Some yeah, day the cops will catch on to
2: that. What's that? Someday the cops will catch on to that. Like, what's the guy doing in the high-end BMW with like the? 40 rvs that are all like full of
1: garbage and homeless people hmm, i wonder why the bmw's there i don't th- could you can the cops even do anything anymore it no like it's, still legal.
2: it's legal to um it's legal to sell drugs and it's legal to outwardly do drugs i yeah. was i picked up my 12 year old from school today and i looked over 20 feet away and there was the guy that was there this morning too with the needle right in this thing like i did 20 feet That's away probably a
0: vaccine, though, bro. He's, he's probably still vaccinated.
1: <laughs> it's, it's just self self-vaccinating, right?
0: Yeah.
2: Oh yeah, he was. He, he had a mask on too. He's being very safe. It was the
0: Moderna. It's the Moderna. The Moderna. <laughs> yeah, I got it.
2: it was. that a Pfizer? I can tell because he had a <laughs> Pfizer hat on. <laughs> <The> Pfizer hat. <laughs> He's being very safe. I was gonna call the cops on him, but once he had the mask on, I'm like, you know, he's. He's,
0: He's, good. Fine. He's good. He's vaccinated. He's good. Yeah. We'll, we'll yeah. Him- yeah he, it was a booster shot. Yeah, you're right.
1: It was a this. booster. Yeah. So, so, so how do uh, Eddie and Luke handle handle that kind of environment? Are they are they pretty like I'm like uh, you to it? I'm terrified.
2: Huh? I I took my kid to go play golf the other day, and I'm coming back, and I'm stuck in traffic right by the house, and there's this homeless guy with two bottles of open beer sitting on people's hoods and trying to get him to drink beer and then getting off the hood and getting on the next hood and trying to get him to drink beer. And I'm like, well, this guy's heading towards my car and he's gonna sit on my hood and try to get me to drink a 40 with him. And I don't know what I'm gonna do about that. But luckily the guy next to me must had a broken window because the window was down. So the guy like literally was putting the beers in the guy's car and there was enough happening that I could pull in front of him and he kept going back down. But literally like jumping on people's hoods and then (laughs) sliding down to the windshield and trying to hand them beer like cool
0: this he's got a police he's <laughs> got a know, product like fuck. Great. you know
1: i am into. At least he's got something to offer
0: yeah i'm into the entrepreneurship But like i don't know how many times i'll be at like a bus stop and I'm like i have money i'm like if you sold me coffee you know I mean it's just like what
2: are you doing like i like, just sell me something you know I mean? like, i'm like a customer you know yeah. like my, my kid like my, my kid where we live now we bought my kid a bird scooter like his own bird scooter so he was nice. going to the store to buy a computer cable. Like You can actually drive through the back part of my neighborhood and come out on the main street without going on the main street. So it's like, it's really cool, actually, where I live now. How and much are those hedges, And when he looked over, there was a homeless guy eating an actual rat
1: the oh god it's I was, the, honestly, I a it,
2: I feel so horrible for these people I wish the money that was put to them by by these nonprofits. I wish it actually got to them because it's so sad it's it's actually said there was a naked woman that was walking Walking around right outside my kids' school that we see every day, and a lot of times she stands in the middle of the street like an older woman, just almost completely naked. It's like you feel bad when I mean, you realize that this is happening to them. And I can't stand naked women.
0: Like what's I that? I can't stand it. I can't stand seeing naked women either, man. It's like crazy.
2: <laughs> well, this naked woman you want to see, but the whole thing is that <laughs> it's just sad because you know, you think like these people have parents and like you know, like like at one time, they were a little baby with all the hope in the world. Like, it's a horrible thing. Yeah, you know? But and, and then our mayor gets, you know, $1.3 billion and they start hiring this person. And you're going to head up the homeless department for 550000 a year. And you're going to head up the assistant homeless department for $300,000 a year. This money never gets to the people that need the money. So it's such an industrial complex. Why stop it? If you were making six, seven hundred thousand dollars a year on, off of homeless people, are you going to house
1: them? Yeah, it's it's a it's a, a racket, man.
0: We should feed them. It's, with the a
2: shame.
1: it's sad. The, the people yeah. out here yeah. like that.
2: People treat animals better than people standing on the side of the road. Like I said, we joke about, it, we laugh about it. I feel horrible when I see people like that. Like I yeah, saw I this uh, this man yesterday at a bus stop. I saw this how to be a seven year old woman with a guitar and a cowboy hat on and a guy with a cowboy hat on and a little briefcase, how to be in the seventies, just sitting at a bus stop, like the world collapsed around them. And, it and like, it it but it's like those people need, they need treatment. They need mental health. They need, but there's no money in that committing people. There's no money in that. There's who, how are you going to
1: take money from that? So nobody wants to do anything about it. It's horrible. Dude, there's, there's most certainly a mental health epidemic in our country. And I, I, I see it, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm always touring and I see it, you know, in Memphis, I see it in Albuquerque, I see it everywhere. You know, it's just, uh, it's a shame what's, what's become of our country. I think we have 60,000 homeless people in LA County. I think, I think California has like almost 50% of the entire nation's homeless at this point, right? It's I don't know, but like I do that. know that our mayor housed like 100 people last week and she was like happy. She only got 59,000-something to go. Right, right. Yeah, and the the 100 that she helped was a publicity stunt, you know, just to pat herself on the back and virtue signal and shit. And, and, she, probably, and she probably housed them the
2: copy back out already because that's the problem. Yeah. Like, you know, like I've always said, if, if you want to – like, look, when people are alcoholics, they make them go through the 12-step program, and, you know, they have to admit they have a problem. You have, you have to stop fooling yourself. <clears throat> you know, if, look, God forbid, you fall on hard times, you lose your job, you don't go get the tent and pitch the tent out in the road. You either move somewhere, or you find family, or you get back on your feet. It's, sure, housing is expensive. We have multiple friends in LA that couldn't cut it here anymore financially, and they moved, they moved like Oklahoma, they move. They don't just pitch a tent someplace. That's a mental health issue. That's yep. not a housing issue. You know, yeah. You see these people. If, if you look at street people of L.A. or any of those things, and you see these people on the subway, like ODing on fentanyl, they'd be doing that in their eight hundred thousand dollar condo that we're going to give them. There wouldn't be. It's like all of a sudden you get a condo, and now I don't do drugs anymore. It's like that's not the problem.
1: Yeah. I mean, no, you're right. I'm you're sure absolutely right. A
2: percentage of people is the problem, but they need to they need to actually help people instead of trying to steal all their money. Yep. Yep. Which, you know,
1: what it's, you it's do? a t- it's a terrible thing, man. It really. Oh, so anyway, back, back to uh more positive topics <laughs> here. You said you're working with a, a another band right now. Can uh, you say called Verses? mm mm-hmm. how, how did that yeah, come it's actually, along? They, it's, it's Steve Escavel from Skin Lab,
2: um, and it's this, this singer um, JD from Binko Failure Anthem. Like it's it's great. The music's great. So we're just in pre-production right now. Where they have a few songs demoed, and then they have 12 songs on a record that they've already sort of done, but with a different singer. But they it's their record. So we've been going through those songs and seeing what we can turn into this, and then. Um, probably in about three weeks the singer's gonna come up from louisiana and sing on the songs we're doing pre-production on zoom and then uh they're gonna start shopping it
1: and so how I'm did really that go come... were you were you like friends with all those guys to start with or how did that come about for you i met i met steve esquivel when he guessed the 36
2: crazy fits record literally 20 years ago oh wow and then he made a skin lab record when we used to have our imprint on Roadrunner scrap 60 I wanted to sign that record so bad I think it came out on Century Media eventually but I wanted to sign the record I couldn't get traction at the label they just didn't want to do it so Rob and I were hanging with Steve a lot trying to get that record so you know on Roadrunner and then I lost touch with them for years and then I started working with this guy Adam from this band dope Sick. he just put out a single called Take Me, it just came out now. I worked with Adam, like a single here, single there, you know, um, we're about to do another single for him in a couple of weeks, great stuff, great. And he was in Skin Lab for a little while and he was also in um, Sebastian Box Band. So okay. um, Adam and Steve must have been talking and they were looking for somebody to really become like, you know, co-writer and a you know producer with them. And I heard the first four demos, I'm like, this stuff is great. Like I, I want to do this. So awesome. I'm really psyched about it. I mean, you know, really
1: cool. I'm excited to hear it's that, man.
2: Hard rock, you know, in the same world as like, you know, bring me the horizon and asking Alexandria and I prevail. You know, it's it's, I guess at this point what you'd call commercial metal. I mean, I don't I don't know what you call
1: it now. Yeah, the the modern popular kind of heavy it's heavy in rock. That world, and... but it's not really any anything specifically like any
2: of those bands but it's, they would play gate with those bands you know
1: yeah that's awesome man yeah the yeah, is like hear.
2: v-i-r-s-s-i-s
1: oh okay so spelled very alt. at least now i don't know if that's going to change well that'll help them be found on the internet that's for sure yeah with the with a name like Versus, if they just spelled it regularly, good luck with that, you know? Yeah. You got to stand out. But yeah, so that, you know, so I'm sort of in pre-production with that right now.
2: Um, I'm working with the singer this Girl Alexandra, really cool, like, folk singer-songwriter. I really don't take on that many artist projects because they it just, there's not as much place you can go with them nowadays. It's just not like. It's not like the old days, and like I said, there's so many outside factors. Like as a producer, like that's all I am. It's like I don't, I don't know who they're gonna get for the distribution. I don't know how much they're gonna push their own record. I don't know how much they're gonna tour. Yeah, like it just, you know, there's only so many hours in the day, and if I can make music that I
1: know is gonna end up in the NFL, like you know, yeah, dude, you gotta you gotta do what you can control and what you can make the, the best money on. I mean. The, the, the money has definitely gone away from rock music and, and into other things. So it's like, you gotta yeah, go for a sure I bet.
2: Enjoy, I enjoy doing the licensing stuff. I enjoy sitting by myself in the room and writing music. Like, you know, I mean, I enjoy writing music with other people too, but, you know, it was always more about, I, I learned how to play keyboards so I could write music, not because I just love playing keyboards. Yeah. You I know. hear you, man. That was always the end goal, is to write music.
1: Yep. Still doing it after all these years. Yep. Definitely definitely been a good ride so far. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about doing a uh, something else towards the end of the year, so I'll have to hit you up and see if you're available to mix a couple teams. Yeah, always. I had fun with the last batch. That was cool. Yeah, you killed it on the on uh the loss of everything. Sounded sounded awesome.
2: Yeah, I like mix, especially in my new studio. My new studio is so like set up to mix. Like the very this studio is very properly treated. I have a cool ISO room. You know, the cutting vocals and I've been cutting violin in there lately, which is cool too. Oh awesome. Yeah, you know, like like literally cut vocals now and I don't have to wear headphones anymore. Like I'm in my, my room, you know?
1: Yeah. That's great. Pretty yeah, cool I got have.
2: I, vocal booth, I can control my keyboard, my computer from my vocal booth. So I could always, not that I do, but I could put a drum set in my control room and cut in the vocal booth. Really?
1: Mm-hmm. Nice. Have you actually done that? that?
2: To...
1: What's that? Have you done that? No, but I'm wired for it.
2: But yeah. now I, it was easy to just do to put a USB in my monitor in the control room so you know i it's not that's why i didn't really worry about a drum room because i cut drums so few times yeah but i wanted to be able to
1: just like that one time in
2: five years someone's like we make up a drum set
1: so so when you guys made the melody brothers record uh you said that brett played all the drums on that huh brett played the drums in his house <laughs> that's awesome dude i Brett's, didn't realize Brett's i mean, i remember him playing the drums up. a little bit but
2: he's pretty what? good He's pretty good. Well, he's he's got a drum set in there. I lent him a little gear, too, and it's mic'd up all the time. So, literally, right. he, like, went nuts getting, like, the perfect mic position on it, everything. So, when he cuts the drums, he literally, it's all ready to go. Like, he just, you know, and the, you've got really good drum sounds on stuff.
1: That's awesome. That, that makes it easier for you, too. I mean, can just cut that and send it over to you, and you, you just run with it, huh?
2: Yeah, plus... The way Brett has his studio set up in his house, he's got like his wall of amps. And he can yeah, switch cabinets I, and all in the garage. So he's using like real guitar amps on stuff too. And you know. And then Billy's got a really nice studio in Nashville. He's got all kinds of like boutique crazy stuff. He got like the cigar box guitars and all, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's got like old Whirly, so all the
1: Worlitzer that he's playing, it's like a real World series playing on. You you guys are doing it doing it authentically, huh? Yeah, that's no, cool. Brett Brett's always been a purist. He's he's always been the guy that that wants to set up a million different amps and cabs and and uh, compare the tones and. I don't hey, he's he's...
2: got. I mean, he's got a good assortment of guitar emulators now that he's got dialed in too. So he's 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 come along a long way with that. yeah he's he's pretty good on the computer now too. programming like like he'll cut the drum tracks and edit them all himself and put in all the samples and everything bring it to my house and i'll fine tune them sometimes but he's he like is doing more editing than i am on the stuff
1: that's great for you
2: yeah i mean that's the way we did it on dropbox like a lot of times he'll send me a text and be like hey i just cut the drums send me a two track of the drums Billy and I will listen to them, see if we like them. And then I'll look in the Dropbox and have multis of the the drums. And be like, yeah, I threw a couple of guitars in there too. Yeah, I just put them into a session, you know, and tweak them a little bit. He always comes here to sing, though. We do the vocals together here. Yeah. You know, because we write all the lyrics between the three of us. And then, you know, Brett likes coming
1: here and cut the vocals and the booths and everything. That's awesome, man. But
2: yeah, we have eighteen songs.
1: Wow. So are you are you releasing only uh, half of the songs as as a record, and then de- doing the other half as as licensing? Is that what you were saying earlier?
2: No, because we were just writing what we're writing. So we we'll probably do five on the desert album, five on the concrete record, and then when we release all the singles, put them like back to back on maybe a vinyl or something. The desert on one side, concrete on the other, and then. Oh, okay. We'll still have eight songs left over for like a second record unless we write new ones. You know, like I said, we're just writing songs. Like someone will be like putting the group text, hey, got a new song idea. So be like, okay, you're free on Tuesday. And then Tuesday we'll get on the Zoom and play the new song idea. And then that's a new song. So it's not like we said, oh, we need 18 songs. We just ended up with 18 songs because we can
1: Yeah. Now, with, with your guys' label, are with, with the two sides, like you were saying, like almost like two EPs, are you, are you going to release those uh, at the same time, or are you going to release like one EP and then another EP?
2: Well, we're, we're, you know, we're doing what everybody else is doing, is we're doing a single thing. And the, yeah. first, the first single is probably going to be a song that's somewhere in between. Like, we have some songs that are sort of in between Desert and Concrete. They're not like, some songs are very desert and very concrete. And some songs right. are sort of in the middle. Like, you're like, yeah, hey, not sure which record. So we're going to start with those. And then, you know, Billy sings lead, too. Billy's got a great lead vocal voice. So, well, I think we're going to first go with the singles that Brett's singing on. Because not to confuse, like, what the band is. It's like what we did in World Fire Firegate. I mean, I think you sang as many songs as he did.
1: There were definitely, there was definitely, you know. Portions of each. I mean, I think I think he sang a little more than me. I was trying to get out of out of the vocal thing a little bit, but uh, yeah, we definitely both did some singing.
2: But they're cool,
1: like the songs, like like "Take Me Away," where you would sing like the verse and he would sing the chorus, and yeah,
2: yeah, that that stuff was really cool. Where you guys would switch back and forth. It's like one sound, you know. Yep. Yeah, that, that really record is, is cool. A great record. I just listened to it the other day. Actually, my son Luke like loves it.
1: Oh, really? Yeah, and we were talking about,
2: I forgot who it was, but I was playing somebody, Caggiano's solo in Never Saw the Wall. Yeah.
1: He plays a really sick solo in that song. I don't know if you remember it. I mean, I can't remember it off the top of my head, but I remember digging the solos that he contributed and the the Mike McCready solo. They're they're all nice little touches, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah, that
1: record, like, got to figure out a
2: way to, to get that thing in, on iTunes and Spotify, like back into the world, because
1: it's a shame that you can only listen to some of the songs like on YouTube or something. I know, yeah, it'd be nice to get it back. And I got a, I, I've got developed a relationship with a, a record company that um, only does limited edition vinyl. And uh, I, I bet that he would be interested in releasing that on vinyl if, if ever given the opportunity. Yeah, I mean, look,
2: we have, physically have the masters i'm just not sure if like like i tried to put them up on soundcloud that one time and i said i didn't have the permission to do it so i had to request permission i'm like
1: how is that possible yeah yeah you know i, I should talk to my guy about it. i i wonder if i mean i i doubt that he would be hesitant to release it knowing that it that it really is ours you know
2: yeah just that like i'm just afraid that if we try to also put it on spotify
1: they're going to say we don't have the right to i don't know but yeah, we'll we try to do it so i don't know we, we we may not be able to release it digitally but a a, a short run of, of really cool vinyl would be pretty sweet yeah i mean i'm down
2: for anything you know you know i just put out an old record that it was part of on on spotify maybe maybe we could I, I don't know if we have a spotify page maybe just an experiment If one of us sets up a Spotify and just put it on
1: distro kit, let's see what happens. Worst thing that happens is they'll tell us we can't do it. I I definitely navigate those waters a lot. I could totally try for us if we wanted to to give it a shot. Yeah, yeah, I mean you're probably way more knowledgeable about distribution than I am. Yeah, I could I could definitely give it a shot. That'd be kinda fun too. If it if it actually snuck through, it'd be great. Yeah, I mean
2: why not? The worst thing that happens, they'll tell us that you know we don't have permission to release it. I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's the worst. I don't think it was ever on Spotify. I don't think so either. Right? When when, when did that record come out, two thousand eight. Shit, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know. No, no, it had to be later than that. I think it was like twenty eleven or something. So what was Spotify doing in twenty eleven? <sighs> just getting going yeah so it might have it
2: might have already come and gone before spotify even was spotify
0: yeah can can you guys break down licensing like in layman's terms for me and everyone eddie be good for that what's that can you break down the way licensing works for musicians or any creative entity that you make
2: um Well, I don't know where to start. Licensing would be, let's just say you're doing it yourself. You'd have a song and Mm. let's say there's, to make it simple, a TV show that wants to use your song. They would license the use of your song for that specific instance. Now, or we had a World Fire Brigade record and we allowed a record label to sell it. All they could do was sell it and we allowed another label to try to get it into movies and TV shows. And we signed a deal. Well, they don't own the music. They just get the right to sell the music. And that's what we did with World Fire Brigade. They had the right to license it. They got the right to get licenses for the music. So you're allowing, um, we allowed them to sell the record, but somehow somebody registered it like it was their assets, like it was their property. So, so they registered the songs as the copyrights as far as like licensing goes for television and film that's a different type of licensing that's licensing for the usages we licensed world fire brigade for one company to sell only to sell they couldn't actually put it in film and television we licensed it with another company for that and their contract expired and we got free and clear out of that one so it's not that contract that's the problem it's the contract of the company that we licensed to sell the thing Sticky stick. So I don't know if that's explaining licensing. I, I don't know. It's such a big topic. I don't know.
1: Yeah, to... license licensing is like when we like like we own, we're supposed to own the master. We own the recording. But when we license it out, we're allowed, we're like renting it out essentially, but, but retaining ownership.
2: Yeah, it's like if you invented like a new spoon
1: and you allowed other people to
2: manufacture the spoon, but you still own the patent on the spoon. So that's our music. We own the was. World Fire Brigade record and the master and everything. We just allowed other people to manufacture it and sell it.
0: Gotcha. And didn't you say that the lawyer passed away? That
2: Andy the lawyer he... that got us into the deal passed yeah. away. He was getting hmm. us out of the deal when he passed away. So now nobody's getting us out of the deal because what happened is the people from the record label folded. So he had, to, he had to go deeper. You couldn't just call up the record label. There's nobody in the office anymore. So now you have to go to parent companies and whoever acquired the assets of the record company that folded. But the whole thing is when you sign a traditional record label, the label usually owns the masters. Like if you sign the record deal with, that's why Sean couldn't release his masters because he didn't own them anymore. He had to re-record them. So what happens is if you get signed to Atlantic Records, you sign over your masters to the record label. They can do whatever they want with them. So we were in a position with this record label, we didn't have to sign over ownership for the masters. We kept the masters and we just signed over the right for them to sell the master. But whatever guy in that office that input it into the computer. Did it wrong. They imported it that they owned the masters and we didn't find that out until five years after the record label was done. We found it out when we tried to release it ourselves.
1: Yeah, and they said good, time, good times in the record business
2: it said that we don't own the masters you have to contact the people that own the masters and we're like we're the people that own the masters and SoundCloud's like no you're not that's the problem
1: legal red tape and, a mis- and what makes it even worse is it was a mistake yeah
2: because if you look at our contract it clearly says we signed like a one-page record contract. That's how simple it was. It says our band allows this record label
1: to sell the master. That's it. We retain you know, actually, ownership of it. Actually, Eddie, now that you're saying that, um, do you still have a copy of that deal? Yeah, and so did Ian, but you have nobody to give it to. Well, okay, but here's the here's the thing, right? So, if I try to digitally distribute that record through whatever, if, if there's a problem, what they would do is hit me back and say you need to prove that you have ownership of this master, and I could submit the contract as that proof. It didn't work with SoundCloud. Oh, you tried that. Oh shit. Yeah, I don't I know. Mean, who's to
2: say we didn't just draw up a contract ourselves? And I mean, what makes the contract legit if there's nobody on the other side of it to say, "Oh yeah, that's the contract." Why don't we just why you and I just write a new contract tonight that says? we own our master forever and we'll just both sign it and then give it to
1: spotify well okay but uh, on that same note when i have I, there's been a couple records that i've uh re-released or released where that happened and they they wanted proof and i, I submitted a contract as proof and that cleared it so maybe we should just okay try so again.
2: that maybe maybe SoundCloud just a bad company when it comes to that maybe spotify You might need some face tattoos to negotiate with them. We Definitely have a copy of our one-page contract.
1: Yeah, let's let's. You know, when I get home from this tour, maybe we could, uh, maybe we could powwow about you know making another attempt at that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. We can probably rip the artwork from. I
2: don't know where the artwork is, but that we can figure that out.
1: My my buddy Chris did the whole layout, so I could. I'm sure he still has that. I might still have it too, but
2: that'd be great if we get at least the artwork. I mean, I'd love to get that in Spotify and iTunes. I mean, yeah, whatever distribute. I don't know if you use distributed or what you use, but whatever it is,
1: they put the stuff all over the place, you know? Yeah, exactly. That you you distribute through them, and then you just you know you can select the the stores you wanted to go to. But I I always just go with every fucking store in the universe. So <laughs> me too. I mean, it's, to me, it's all about like I. It's just such a good record. It's just a shame that it's just like dead somewhere. Yeah, I know, dude. I I, I think about it every <laughs> every so often too. And, and then I'm just so busy and I, I know you're busy, Brett's busy. But let's readdress it for sure. Yeah,
2: I'd love to get that out in the world so at least people can
1: enjoy it, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. So, Anthony, you got any more questions for Eddie? I know you said you have like 25 of them.
0: I did i was just listening to legends doctor man you guys had me entertained i was just sit back listening man like uh like honestly like, it's cool. it just cool seeing them I'm, like, I'm, I'm a fan of music man so i just i just love seeing like it's not and like i'm the luxury of being able to man like it's cool
1: awesome very dude. cool well we definitely appreciate you coming on man definitely, definitely. yeah it's fun anytime man It's good times it great catching I up know you- and- I know you had said before that, that you were thinking about an hour, and it's been an hour and 20, so yeah. hopefully it hasn't been too terrible. No, that's okay. Yeah, having a good time, less track of time.
0: Yeah, when these go, like, two hours, I just picture, like, Cody just, like, are you fucking kidding me?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's, like, pulling up comments
1: still. He's, like, oh, my God, I'm still here. Like, wait. <laughs> His family's, like, tugging on his shirt and shit. <laughs> well, cool. Yeah.
0: yeah. That was only for the daytime show with Tommy Chung. I didn't have,
1: everybody's in bed now. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and at least I'm out here on the road. My daughter can't kick the door in and demand I make her food or some shit. <laughs> yeah, that's the story of my life. I love it. Yeah, I
2: like, got my, my oldest son's like, can you make me something? i make him something. And then sit back down. And my younger son's like, can you make me dinner? It's like, oh, <laughs> my God i have been in
1: the kitchen now for an hour and a half. Uh,
0: kids, you know, man. Just like, man, I just like, I just, I just go to restaurants so I get my cooks for me constantly. I'm just like, I'll, I'm like, I'll take this and point at the best picture in the menu. I'm like, I'll take this one. So that's how I eat.
1: Got to do what you got to do. Well, well yes, gentlemen, it's it's been it's been good. I, I should probably get going. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: Thanks for coming on, Eddie. Like, uh, thanks. thanks. Let thanks. me know anytime. Definitely, definitely. Thanks nice for watching. I,
1: cool. And watch let's now. definitely powwow about that record, Eddie. I think it's a good idea. I think we could maybe, maybe uh, get something going. Yeah, let's 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 get that happening. Cool. All right, gentlemen. Cool. I'll talk to you later. Cool. Sounds cool good, yeah. guys.